It's finally here, the Locked On MLB Prospects Mock Draft. I'm joined by our draft expert, Jeff Ellis of Locked On Guardians. We're making all 30 picks. Stay tuned. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby. He's Jeff Ellis of Locked on Guardians. Literally is our draft expert. It's in the Twitter username, at Jeff MLB Draft. So we're doing this today. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you can win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app. Use promo code Locked On for a $100 match on your first deposit. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Terms and conditions do apply, but check out Sleeper today. So, mock draft. Uh, Jeff has the odds. I have the evens. Jeff Ellis, with the number one pick in the 2023 MLB draft, who are the Pittsburgh Pirates taking? Uh, you know, I, I a lot of rumors pop. I think the rumor that Dave Cruz is trying to say he doesn't want to go there is true, so I'm going to lean towards Skeens with the first pick. Uh, I think... There's an easy top two, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe that rumor. There's many, but that's one I'm believing. Yeah, and I can easily see a scenario where Skeens goes number one, and he would get more than he would get with the number two pick, whereas, like, and then there's an easy fit, and obviously with the second pick, I'm going to take Dylan Cruz with the uh, Washington Nationals. His agent is Scott Boris. There is a relationship there between those teams. And it's really easy to kind of look at that and say, I can see a scenario where the biggest bonus in the draft is Dylan Cruz at number two, but Paul Skeens can get more at one and still be at slot than he would have gotten at two. So I'm going to take Dylan Cruz at two. And these are the two easiest picks in the entire draft to make because these are your kind of your clear cut top two. The big question is at three, Jeff, are you taking... Uh, the other college bat in this first tier, or are you taking one of the prep guys? So just in my general tier, like I look at this is there's the first two guys are in a tier by themselves. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think Wyatt Langford is kind of in his own tier. And I think Langford last year and probably the year before would have been the top pick. And I'm going to have him the top pick. It's just, we know so much more about college guys. I don't have batted ball data, but teams do. And that really makes some of their evaluation easier. Uh, Langford is, you know, he's a great athlete, uh, he had high-level production. There's not a lot of gaps in that game. Uh, that being said, uh, Walker Jenkins is very close to that tier. I, I really feel like this is a top-four draft. Uh, but at this point in time, I, I, I think that it's you got to go with those three college bats, one three college players, I should say, one, two, three. Yeah, and and that makes it really tough for the Texas Rangers because I feel like if you go back and you look at some of their first-round selections. They like to take college performers. They like to take guys from large conferences. They, I mean, some of their previous guys, Josh Young, Justin Foscue, Jack Leiter, Kumar Rocker, they like that. And you don't really have that here. You're looking at a, a Max Clark. You're looking at, uh, you know, like, if you wanted to go college, you're having to go to a guy like a Hurston Waldrop. So I think they're going to go a little bit out of a traditional character. They're going to take a prep bat here. That's really all you can do. So it's going to be Walker Jenkins. Most physical prep bat in the draft. Looks like he could legitimately have 60 grade on both tools. So Walker Jenkins to the Rangers. 
No, yeah, I mean, in last year they kind of did a little bit of that with the rocker porter slide down. Uh, mm -hmm. So that I think that's that's very logical uh, for the Minnesota Twins at five. Yeah, they're in a an interesting situation. It's like who would they take here? It feels like they're leaning a little more college. They've gone a little more safety, I and mean, they they took great sliding talents a year ago. Um, Brooks Lee and Connor Prelip, I thought were fantastic players where they got them. Yeah. I don't know if he's necessarily a sliding talent but kyle teal feels like he is logical in this range and feels like in a lot of places he is the consensus fourth or fifth uh college player so with him on the board i i think it makes sense i think it's a good fit um we have not seen them go too crazy in the prep class outside of royce lewis and alex kirilov and that was at the beginning of this new current front office not new but current front office yeah so kyle teal the catcher from virginia the, uh, the the Oakland A's have to be thrilled about this, right? Because they had one of the worst records and they kind of lost in the first lottery, ended up going down to number six. And the thought process was five-player draft. If you're picking number six, you're not getting one of those top guys. But they, I feel like they've prioritized up the middle talent you know, with some of their picks. And so Max Clark figures to stick in center field should be a guy that uh, that arm is above average, you know, good reads, routes, reactions, and it's a hit over power profile right now, but you've got some time to, to unlock that raw power and get it in the games. So Max Clark, the prep outfielder going sixth to Oakland, they've got to be excited about that pick. Yeah, he's, you know, he, at points he was considered a, the best prep player in this class. So he is, uh, you know, they've had luck with Tyler Satterstrom recently to give an example, mm -hmm. Max Muncy, they have not been afraid to go prep. Then get Cincinnati get seven, and I think they're fascinating. Uh, and a guy I've kind of liked here, and I'm kind of debating it even now, is is Chase Dollander because Cincinnati is very good at fixing struggling arms. Look at Nick Boyle, who was kind of a mess in Notre Dame, and some of the other young developmental ones. And adding another arm could be interesting. It's like, do they go with him? Do they go with Rhett Louder, who you know is a little safer, maybe doesn't have the ceiling. Uh, I think I'm going to go with, with Dollander here and think that maybe they can even save a little bit of money to spread around and you get a guy who at one point in time was talked about as the top player in this class going to a strong pitching pipeline system. Yeah, that's I like Dollander to Tennessee. I think that's a good pick, and I, I, I think that works out really well. Number eight, Kansas City. This is a tough one for me because when I look at what they've done, like they've done a lot of different things. They've sub-slotted heavily when they took Frank Mazzucato. And then they stuck to slot when they got Bobby Witt, they got Asa Lacey, they got Gavin Cross. And in the last, I think, four drafts, they've taken a high school hitter, a college hitter, a prep pitcher, and a prep hitter. So they could go anywhere here. I liked Kyle Teal being the pick here, uh, but obviously he's off the board. I'm thinking they may go something like a prep shortstop here. Arjun Namala, I've seen him... Uh, he, one of those, he fits the models because he's just 17 years old, um, playing up the middle. Everything looks like he could work as far as uh, shortstop or third base. And I do think there is a high ceiling on the raw power if you can get it into the games. So shortstop Arjun Namala from Strawberry Crest High School. Yeah, I, I feel like on, in terms of ceiling, he is not too far behind the top two prep guys. It's just the risk. Uh, the Rockies at nine. This feels kind of easy at this point in time. Rhett Louder is on the board. The rumors they want to go college pitcher. They went, I mean, draft overdrafted. It felt like a college pitcher uh, a year ago. So Rhett Louder out of Wake Forest feels like an easy pick right here, a top ten guy on most boards. 
Yeah, that's an absolute slam dunk. Uh, just kind of seeing what he did in the in the College World Series. Obviously looked very impressive. Kind of like what he did. Uh, was impressed with that. The Marlins are in a weird place, okay? Uh, if you look at, like, they took Jacob Berry, very safe selection. It has not worked out so far. J.J. Plade was not who they thought he would be. Uh, Khalil Watson was not who they thought he would be. Max Meyer is jury still out. But if you're, this is something I'm, I kind of want to give them something a little bit safer. This feels like a guy looking at how they've prioritized contact ability of some of their deals, the Luis Arise deal. Jacob Wilson, the shortstop out of Grand Canyon, to me feels like somebody he rarely strikes out. It's a hit over power profile, but it's absolutely something where uh, it fits that new mantra. They said, we are swinging and missing too much. This is what we want to do. So, Jacob Wilson from Grand Canyon, the shortstop to Miami. I feel like we're going to be in a run of college guys because the college hitting depth is so good. And we've kind of hit that point in the class where uh, there's a bunch of fantastic college players. So for me, this kind of comes down with the Los Angeles Angels, uh, Tommy Choi versus Matt Shaw and which bat, what bat style you prefer. Personally, I'm huge on Shaw. I think he's a top 10 talent. And I mean, I think Troy is a top 10 talent as well, if I'm being honest, but uh, at this point, at this selection, I feel like they've gone a little bit more in terms of hit tool. And I don't know. Part of me thinks that Matt Shaw probably has the best hit in power. So I'm going to go with Shaw here. I don't know if he's going to be able to stay at second. I don't know. You know, Troy is more of a sure up the middle, but I, I don't know. I really like Matt Shaw's data, and I think that he has a chance to be a, a big-time producer. And this is something that I've noticed kind of to to – get off track for just a second. I've noticed teams being more willing to take a guy who's a second baseman over a shortstop high if they have an exceptional hit tool. You know, you, you look at a guy like a Tamar Johnson last year. Just kind of feels like that's something that we definitely have been doing more often recently. So, made it through 11 picks. We're going to get to picks 12 through 20 next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Sleeper. Sleeper is a fantasy sports and real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and through gaming. What I love about Sleeper is if you have an idea, a strong opinion about how somebody's going to do tonight, you think Vlad Guerrero might go yard, you think Shohei Otani in his next start because he left with a blister is going to strike out seven or more you know, batters, you can get up to 100 times your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball. They have a 100 times payout for eight-pick contests. You choose eight players that you like, pick more or less on your favorite stats, home runs, strikeouts, hits, more, whatever it might be. You get your picks right, you can win big. Use promo code Locked On, and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Now, terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms are used for details. But they're operational in over 30 states. You got to check out Sleeper today. Use promo code Locked On for a $100 match on your first deposit. Welcome back to the official Locked On MLB Network mock draft. Lindsey Crosby hosts the Locked On MLB Prospects. Jeff Ellis hosts the Locked On Guardians, our resident MLB draft expert. And we are at pick number 12, the Arizona Diamondbacks. I feel like their whole thing has been higher ceiling prep talent. You look at some of the guys they took, a Corbin Carroll, a Jordan Lawler, a Drew Jones. And honestly, I liked the idea of being able to grab Matt Shaw right here. When you started, I thought you were going to go with Tommy Troy. And I was going to turn right around and say Matt Shaw is the guy here. I'm going to go a little bit to, in a, a different direction. 
Noble Meyer, the right-hand pitcher out of Portland, Oregon. It's something where this Jesuit high school can develop some arms. And I think the the fastball velocity, the sweepy slider, a changeup, really impressive athlete. I like what he does. And I think that he's someone that they can use as they're thinking about uh, what the team needs and what the pipeline kind of has are getting a lot of their pitchers closer to the bigs. So Noble Meyer, the right-hand pitcher uh, from Portland, Oregon to the Diamondbacks at 12. Yeah, and you know you go back to Blake Waltson and Brennan Malone, so they have that history with prep talent in round one. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Cubs at thirteen, since twenty thirteen, they have drafted one prep player, Ed Howard, and one JUCO player. I know there's you know multiple people in charge during that time, but uh, I in the rumors have been prep, but they were rumors a year ago. I feel like you're sitting here with the way things have played out. I have to look at you know lean into what they've done, and you're looking at college players, and when I go through kind of the, the list of college guys. And I think about also, you know, the, the front office pieces, uh, some of those coming from Cleveland. One thing Cleveland always liked to do was take a guy who was more well thought of as a sophomore than a junior. Mm-hmm. And when I look at this list right now, uh, Jacob Gonzalez was a top five guy on every board entering the year. And if you're looking for a solid, stable, safe producer who uh, is value is a little down compared to a year ago, Gonzalez stands out to me. Yeah. And it, it, it's something where he's fallen just a little bit, but they can grab him. They have. They are not afraid to go after upside. They are not afraid to take talents who have fallen. Uh, so the Red Sox at fourteen. This is a really interesting one, and I've I've got two different things. It's we. The first round is always best player available. Like don't don't draft based off of a team need or things like that. But it's hard to kind of look at what they've been dealing with at shortstop and think you know they probably have to be like th- the idea of a guy like a Tommy Troy considered to be a top 10, top 15 talent, still on the board. Part of me wants to say, let's give Tommy Troy, even though he's probably going to move to second base or center field, but he's a bat first infielder. This is something that they're familiar with. They like these guys, even at, even at second base, thinking like a Dustin Pedroia type. And so I think I'm going to go Tommy Troy out of Stanford to the Red Sox at 14. More shortstops. They love a good shortstop in round one, middle infielder. Yep. That's, that's uh, what they do. Yeah, it's, it, you know, and one there's there's arguments certainly for that uh, through the years that uh, hey they can move anywhere else. White Sox are fascinating to me at fifteen because they were the most conservative team, and then they've gone back to back prep players, and they've had success with them. Uh, Montgomery yeah. looks great. Uh, Schultz has been fantastic, but the rumor this year is more related to uh, college bats which I think might be, you know, all these situations, they just, they're not afraid to go one way or another. They're just looking at the strength of the board and the strength of the board is, is still likely at this point, uh, college performers. Uh, there are some interesting prep players, don't get me wrong, but I feel like when you're looking at the college group in general, uh, even with all we have said, Yohandi Morales, Enrique Bradfield, Braden Taylor are all guys in this range. And, and it's Taylor that I'm going to go with. Uh, he gained a lot of fans in the postseason, and he's just been a consistent performer. First two years uh, was not hitting the ball super hard. This year he came out and changed that. Like He worked on his game, evolved it. Uh, I know another third baseman is maybe not what White Sox fans want, but I, I feel like he is kind of, you know, him and Brock Wilkin to me would be the two top college guys you could grab here. Yeah, it's uh, they've had that success going for those those prep guys, despite the risk, it's paid off, but it's still just something where I like the idea. And again, the depth is there because of that lost 2020 
year, all those guys that would have been prep draftees, that's this class now. That's why the college class is so good. I'm sticking in the college class for the Giants. They're kind of hard to pin down. It feels like they like, uh, you know, up the middle defenders. They like low vertical approach angle arms. Kind of some of their things there. You look at some of the guys they've taken in the past. Reggie Crawford, Will Bedner, uh, Patrick Bailey was a first rounder recently. I'm going, this guy is one of my favorite rise, quick risers in the draft. Kind of one of my sleepers. I like outfielder Chase Davis here. Uh, out of Arizona, just somebody who's who this year really improved the swing and miss and had a, a just a fantastic third season. Uh, and I feel like it's the same kind of idea as a guy like a Wyatt Langford, but at obviously 70% of the cost. So this is one of my favorite risers. I had him in a piece this week talking about this. Chase Davis of Arizona going to the Giants at 16. And he's a guy, if you watch any of the draft combine to any of our listeners, like he had some good interviews. He's like connecting with a lot of current and former pros, has a lot of, uh, on top of great physical tools. So that would be a good get at pick 16. 17, the Orioles. Uh, again, that team where all conservative and then, prep last year and it's turned out fantastic oh my gosh yeah. so good so good, <laughs> so good. They, you know holidays like a top five prospect in baseball and, already and let's be honest like colton Kowser, some viewed as an overdraft i think no one views it that way now nope. you, know, you can go back and look at uh you know if kirsten had been healthy like they've nailed this process they have as a hundred percent that was easy but watchman yeah. i mean yeah i mean there was debate leading up like should they go under slot there and they they didn't and that was you know the right choice I, I think they're in a situation to potentially go prep again uh, just because of the depth of this class. Now that, you know, the college players are still strong, but, you know, Colin Hawk is kind of that guy or Hawk, I'm probably saying his name wrong, who, you know, he's a football recruit. He's a baseball recruit. He's probably got to go in the top 20 picks to get him signed. Uh, another shortstop. You can never have too many. And if you're going to go with the prep guy here, I feel like he, to me, is probably the top prep player on the board, him or Aiden Miller, and I think he's just a little bit of an edge. Uh, so I, I kind of like him at this value. I can definitely see that happening. Uh, it feels like it's a good pick for them. And talking about some of more of, of Brewers at 18, looking at what they've done, they tend to just, it feels like they put an emphasis on contact skills early. You look at some of their previous guys, a South Frelick, Garrett Mitchell, Eric Brown Jr., guys who who strong contact skills, They've taken guys who have fallen in the first round a couple times. I have them combining that with their Brewers devil magic when it comes to developing catchers. Blake Mitchell, the prep catcher out of Sinton, Texas. One of the more fascinating guys. He's hit 97 on the mound. Uh, slider looks pretty decent. Like He could be a, a two-way guy, but left-handed hitter, tons of raw power. I like Blake Mitchell. And I like how they can definitely improve any catcher that they get because they have that catching devil magic there with the Brewers. No, I agree. And I like that someone else has recognized that. We talked about that on Lockdown Guardians, that they have a 100% devil magic when it comes to catcher development. So I'm glad to see that uh, everyone can recognize and understand what they do is the most unlikely between uh, Narvez and Contreras. It's, I want the Guardians to hire their catching uh, <laughs> system. Yeah. Please, all of it. Just add it. Uh, the Rays of 19, this might be a little off the board because uh, most people have them going bats, but I think they That's are a they, do, 
but I think, you know, they, they used to go some prep arms, but I think they're kind of in a perfect situation for Hurston Waldrop. And you think about like Shane McClanahan and there's some similarities there. Waldrop in, Waldrop in college was asked to lean on his fastball. That's not his best pitch. Um, as a Guardians writer, I've seen um, you know, left witch come out and talk about how at Florida, you don't get to go off design. You know, there's a design, it's set, you got to go to it. And I don't think the design was the best for his pitch mix. I think the Rays have been really good at pitcher development too. And I think he is the perfect guy to go there and for them to turn into another monster. I have beaten this drum on my show so many times. If you are a good pitching development team, take a pitcher from Florida because they are yep. not finished products and you can make yep. them so much better. The Guardians love to do it. A lot of, yeah. a lot of the smart teams. Three, two years ago, three from yeah. there. A lot of smart teams like to go do that. So, all right, we have made it through 19. We are going to get... Uh, 20 through about 25 in this third segment coming up right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Welcome back into Locked on MLB Prospects. We are doing the official Locked on Network mock draft. Lindsey Crosby, Locked on MLB Prospects. Jeff Ellis, Locked on Guardians. We're going to get through about pick 25 or so right here. Maybe a little bit of discussion about some risers and fallers. And then tomorrow's episode will be part two of this draft, going all the way through the Dodgers pick at 36. Maybe a little bit more. We'll see what kind of time we have. Uh, for the Blue Jays, I'm on the clock. Blue Jays at number 20. If you look at what they've done, they just take the guys that fall to them. I mean, Alec Manoa fell, Gunnar, Gunnar Hogland fell, Brandon Barrera fell. They just they like to scoop guys that are projected higher and have fallen off the board for whatever reason. So not the profile they typically take, but a lot of places have Enrique Bradfield as a top 10, top 15 player. One of the fastest players in the country. The outfielder out of Vanderbilt. Uh, something where really good, like not a ton of power, good contact ability, doesn't expand the zone a lot. Looks like he's going to be a fantastic defender that is a leadoff, old-school, on-base type. So Enrique Bradfield going to the Jays at 20, they've got to be happy he fell this far to them. Yeah, he's, uh, if you can work out that swing, he's going to be a star. Yep. Um, that, that's Easier about the only thing done. holding him back. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals are, are fun. Uh, they've done a great job in the first round, but as a again, as someone who does Lockdown Guardians, one thing we know is uh, every year the guy that, gets projected to the Guardians. Jerpe McGreevy uh, has been someone instead the Cardinals take. So if we go through the mock drafts and we see the most common recent pick, it's been Colt Emerson. So the logic of late has been that Cleveland doesn't lean into the age models as much as they used to. They actually drafted two 19-year-olds last year, which is unheard of. Yeah. Uh, St. Louis has done, I think, more with the age models of late. And we're looking at kid who's 17 with good contact skills. I know a lot of people have them on college bats right now, and they could. And But again, Jordan Walker, 2020, was their last prep guy. It's not that long ago. So I'm going to go with Colt Emerson here, uh, just based on it feels like every year, whoever is getting mocked to Cleveland to suit the Cardinals grab. Yeah. Emerson, Auburn commit, uh, something where I think he was Gatorade Player of the Year for the, for the state. Really good selection. I like that mm -hmm. being a good spot for him. Uh, if you go to the Mariners, really have done a lot of high school talent. They've got three picks in the top 30. This is a tough one because they can take just about anybody, and you know they have the money to get them to sign. But I'm going to go with Aiden Miller from J.W. Mitchell. That, to me, it feels like 
really one of the most physical guys in the class, big athletic explosive power, somebody who we could absolutely see as something where, yes, he pitches some, can hit low 90s on the mound, but he's going to have to work on the athleticism. Definitely something where uh, he's going to be a, a corner infielder, but I, I like what he's done when he's been healthy. Broken hammock bone this spring didn't help him too much. But Aiden Miller, the third baseman uh, out of high school, going to the Mariners at 22. Yeah, I probably most consensus sports top guy available. And the Mariners kind of own this draft once you get outside those teams picking the top five, thanks to all those picks. So Cleveland, uh, I've spent many a year uh, looking through their data. One of the big things for them in recent years is Cape data. They love, love, love high Cape performance. Chase DeLotter is practically drafted entirely off of Cape performance. While they have gone away from age-based models, it is still a net positive for them. You know, it's not basically it's not going to make them not draft a guy, but it's a bonus. Uh, and then production is always important. And I'm just sitting here at the draft, and this will be a pick that's a little non-traditional, but Brock Wilkin, because MVP of the Cape. He, in the old draft system, he was 17 as a high school kid on draft day, and he's got great production. Wake Stadium is very hitter-friendly, let's be honest, oh, but yeah. the, the, K, the K rate is also not terrible. Like, he, he really worked on making better contact. Um, Cleveland, they need to add power to that system. They're, it, it's a wasteland when it comes to power, and yeah, he's not necessarily their traditional type, but when you're looking for Cape performers in this range, which has been a massive driver for them, it's Brock Wilkin and we back to back Cape MVPs for Cleveland. I mean, they know what they like. They stick with it. It's, it's, it's hard to complain that it's not really worked out necessarily for them. So absolutely makes sense going with that. And this, this works out really well uh, for Atlanta because the Braves have taken, have had a tendency and a little bit of difference here. Cause Dana Brown's no longer there, but under Alex Anthopoulos, they've really liked to take those guys that are uh, two way players now, Atlanta's been a, a leaned pitcher the last several years. I don't necessarily think that's an organizational preference. I think that's how the board's shaken out and how they like their pitching development. But Bryce Eldridge, uh, two-way player out of James Madison High School in Virginia, one of the better two-way prep guys we've seen in a while. He's 6'7". He can already get the fastball up to 97. Two different breaking balls. The slider looks really good. Has a plus changeup. And then... Uh, he he also plays first base and outfield. He's played some center field, but has some. He's considered to have double plus raw power. Atlanta's uh, Atlanta likes those dual sport guys, and they like those two way guys. And letting it naturally settle, uh, what's going to happen when they get into the minor league system? So I've got Bryce Eldridge going to Atlanta with pick twenty four uh, to close out the first half of the mock draft. Who do you have going to the Padres at twenty five? High ceiling sliding, and it comes down to, do you want a pitcher? Do you want a hitter? Dylan Head or Thomas White? Last year, we saw him leaning heavily into pitching, even though it's been a little bit of a bugaboo in terms of their development. Uh, but I feel like Thomas White is the guy here that, you know, you just keep adding prep arms because as long as they stay healthy, uh, it's going to be a tradable asset. Um, you know, you can always bank on that. And I feel like Thomas White kind of stands out. A lot of places consider him the number two prep arm in the class. Him sitting there for a team that likes to go for ceiling and, you know, was it Snelling and Lesko a year ago. So keep adding to the stable of interesting arms. And and definitely one of the, like, I think the, the highest lefty prep arm in the class. There's just not a lot of lefties, it feels like, in this mm -hmm. first round at all. So getting something a little bit different there is really good for them. So uh, if you have 
comments, uh, thoughts about our first our first half of our mock draft, leave them in the comments below. Uh, tomorrow, we will have the second half of this mock draft, and then stay tuned. Jeff and I will be live on Sunday night for the first round of the MLB draft. going to be around an hour in length. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that notification bell so you know when we go live. Uh, but until then, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.